0: Podcast, the show where we as authors explore the better practices of writing inclusively, whether that be in terms of race, gender, ethnicity, class, sexuality, ability, and so on. Why are we here? To bring more depth and breadth to the characters in our fiction and represent them in the best way possible. My name is Bethany A. Tucker, and with me each week is my co-host, Marielle S. Smith. Ready? Let's dive in. good to have you back.
1: Hey, Bethany, it's good to be back. It's been a minute and I can't wait to dive into today's topic. No,
0: you've been talking about today's topic for forever. So let's get right into it then. How
1: to write transgender characters. Yes, and mind you, there's a disclaimer we need to make first, aside the fact that both you and I are both cisgender, uh, meaning that we identify as a gender that we were assigned at birth. Yes. That is, I mean, actually I was called
0: a boy for two hours and then they double checked and realized they had to take back my name and give me a different one. And I was nameless for three days, but (laughs) we got it right pretty quick. So essentially we're writing this episode to help those like us who are cisgenders, just cisgender writers, um, and also part of Western society with it and Western society has this strong binary gender language, as we've talked about before in previous episodes. So there's all these traditions and languages out there that do have sufficiently different views and experiences on the social construct of gender that would make this entire episode completely different if you're writing or working in that language. But we are talking for Western society. So for the most part, um, this is going to be for writers who are cisgendered, and part of Western society, major European languages. Um, also bear in mind, trans can be larger or smaller of a category than this word might mean to some of you all listening.
1: Yes, and we initially actually set out to do an episode on transgender non-binary and genderqueer characters.
0: Which are all identities that do fall under the umbrella of trans. Um, we're gonna break down that word, that was way too much. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we realized quickly that if we go into each of these identities under the umbrella, uh, and there are more than I just mentioned, it's endless, we're going to end up talking for hours again. And I would have to figure out how to best cut that into
0: episodes that would actually get uploaded. No, thank you. We're skipping. We broke it up into different episodes. (laughs)
1: Yes, exactly. So what we did, we decided to stick to transgender characters specifically for this episode. So that is characters who transition from one end of the gender spectrum to the other, whether in medical terms or how they present themselves to the world. And we will focus on the remaining identities in the next episode.
0: Yes. And you'll notice we are talking a little bit quickly because we still have a lot to fit into this episode. So just to be clear, we're talking in this episode just about characters who have at some point transition from one gender to another or or plan to in whatever way we are not talking about non-binary genderqueer or other identities that might be closely grouped or subgrouped with the word trans reality not might not be as clear-cut as we make it sound here but like we said we had to draw some sort of line enough of a line to have a useful discussion for fiction writers at least A lot of what we'll discuss today also applies to any character who identifies as something under this umbrella. Um, But like I said, we really just had to make some limits to just be able to handle the research and make this palatable to talk about.
1: Yes. So let's dive in. Let's do it. Okay. So first things first, transgender identities are not some sort of trend. A lot of people seem to think that. Like, you know, everyone is suddenly transgender. Trans people have been around for a very long time. It's just that over the past 10 years or so, they've received more awareness. So some people, especially in academic circles, even speak of the transgender turn.
0: this is something that multiple articles by trans authors we researched for this episode brought up as well. It's not new, being trans is not new. It's just not as hidden anymore to readers of the English language and within the Western world. There's more visibility because there's more acceptance at the moment. Hard-earned acceptance at that. As we go to record this and as we did our research a a while back, I want to remind everyone that there was the Trans Day of Remembrance. And here in the US, unfortunately, that was also marked by shooting at a drag show where there were transgender people and queer people.
1: So trans people have been there always, just not as visible, right? And not as accepted. And like you said, like there is much more acceptance these days, but that doesn't mean the acceptance is fully there. Like horrible things continue to happen. Right. But this is why this, this, this increased visibility is why more writers want to include trans characters in their work in a better way, because trans people have been featured in writing and other media, but not necessarily in a way that affirms their identity or benefits the community.
0: Exactly. And we'll go with that into that in a minute. Let's start with a reminder, though, of who gets to write trans characters. Sure. Have at it. I think the fact that so many trans people are writing articles to cisgender writers about how to write trans characters really gives us the nucleus of the all the answer I personally need as a writer.
1: Yes, I, I especially love the way Cheryl Morgan, who wrote uh, the Writing Better Trans Characters uh, article. And, and just for, you know, for everybody who's listening, all the articles that we're mentioning here will be listed in the show notes. And we recommend reading all of them because there's so much in them that we couldn't even, there wasn't enough space in this, in this episode. And um, so there's really, do go and read them because they're really good. Um, but she said, and I quote, "'I reject the idea that trans characters should only be written by trans people because cis folk are bound to get it wrong. While there are some really fine trans writers, there simply aren't enough of us in the world to do what is needed. We have to be part of all fiction, not just fiction that we write ourselves," end of quote. So, yes, we can all write about trans characters like we're allowed to write about any character, really. Like with any other character that isn't like you, though, you have to keep in mind that there might be certain things you shouldn't be writing about or should be really careful about. And we've talked
0: about this in other previous episodes because it's not limited to any particular identity. When you write a character who isn't like you, don't focus on the struggle of their identity markers and what's that causing yes to including Black characters in your writing as a white author, but no to writing stories about what it's like to be a Black person. Don't make that the focus of the plot or the point of the book, like to grow up as a Black person. That's that's not the central focus. Naturally, you have to write realistic characters and the Blackness of your character, if you're writing a Black character, will affect their individual story arc, always. But being attentive to their potential struggles is not the same thing as shaping your entire story around that struggle. And the same goes for writing trans characters.
1: Yeah, I I think an important question to ask yourself when you're considering including trans characters in your story is why? Like, why do you want to do this? And according to Alex DiFrancesco, who wrote the Writing Trans Characters article, also listed in the show notes cis writers have often included trans characters in their work to, and this is another quote, to present a symbol for the quest of self, for self, sorry, because trans is the word of the moment, to sensationalize or to present the trans character as a foil for the cis characters in the story, end of quote.
0: Yeah, and that is what not, that is not what we need more of. Besides, we can do this kind of exploration of the self without using this identity for it. There are
1: other ways. Of course, there are another article, uh, this one by Eli Cuccini, and they wrote the How to Write About Trans Characters article. They specifically mentioned that sometimes cis writers include a trans character in their story to try to work out the anxieties they themselves have around gender and identity. So as a way to reaffirm their own gender identity, so to speak. And that is not a good reason to write a trans character. (laughs) No. Yeah
0: again you can explore the self in different ways you can explore the gender self you can explore the sexual self in different ways without using a trans character as your object to do it through i remember a book i read as a teenager called jack i forget the author right now it wasn't about a trans character but rather about a teenage son of a man who comes out as gay in his 40s That book explored the straight son's experience without delegitimizing the father's experience. The POV was the son's. If you need to explore in writing having a trans person in your life, do that from your own POV or POV of a character that is accessible to you. We still suggest having a sensitivity reader before publishing that, but you can totally do that. Um, definitely like I just said, do not need to explore sexuality or gender identity at the expense of the trans community. And this is a course, as you just said, Marielle, why you have to ask yourself um, why you're writing and also who you're writing for. Some cis writers write about trans characters because the idea fascinates them. This is the othering. If you're writing out of fascination, that's a red flag. This yes. is objectification. Even if you think the object is a beautiful crystal, you're still taking your author chisel to it and making that object yours in the shape you want it, without regard to what it started as. The trans experience is not your object to chisel.
1: Yeah, and this is what Cheryl Morgan writes about too, right? She calls this the cis gaze, which basically means that trans characters are often written from uh, a cisgendered perspective that continues to look at members from the trans community as like different odd freaks as something we simply cannot grasp or understand and that's what we want we want to understand like it becomes an obsession or in in Cheryl Morgan's own, wo- own words she says as victims that they can feel sorry for and rescue and this is and we talk about this in a bit uh, later this is what has happened in a lot of writing and other popular media I love
0: that in her article she shows that that development that now the world is a safer place for trans people comparatively we need fiction to reflect that change Mm -hmm. trans readers don't need to be reading the same old stories over and over again because their lives are different now and they have different expectations for it
1: yes absolutely and so again in Cheryl's words uh, we need books that are happy to accept trans people as people who can do all sorts of sorts of things in life not just make theoretical points about gender by transitioning from one to the other or suffer tragically because they are not accepted by society you said theoretically and I was thinking theoretically or theatrically
0: both yeah (laughs) but key here of course and this is another point I believe Morgan makes as well is that you need to be ready to get inside your trans character's head and respect them for who they are in her example which is writing a transgender woman she says don't see her as a man i'm quoting here don't see her as a man who wants to be a woman or a man who is pretending to be a woman see her as a woman who may suffer discrimination from people who don't think she is woman enough
1: i really like this is yeah like i said i really i recommend all the articles but this one was so on point um if you haven't fully accepted certain identity markers and haven't yet grappled with your own presumptions and prejudices about them, you might not be ready to include them in your work, right? I know this might sound harsh, but it's you know it's what it is. So whomever you're writing about, whether that's a trans character or a black character or a Muslim character or a character who is all of the above, be aware of your own biases and how they might affect your writing.
0: Yeah if you need to work through that, do it in private. (laughs) Don't publish it. Yes. Yeah. Do it in private before you write the character. We're not
1: saying don't, don't work through it, but don't publish that while you're working through it. Yes. Or, or, or work through it without writing fiction. Yeah. Or just journal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely worked through a lot of things by just like massively reading on the topic by people inside the experience for like several months and then Experiencing yeah. that internal shift as I slowly built up acceptance and awareness and knowledge, and spent enough time in it that it started to feel normal. Yeah, I think that is a great advice in itself. Yeah, yeah. So moving on, what can we do as cis writers? So what can we do as cis writers
1: when writing about trans characters? Well, before we go into that, and there's a lot to a lot to be discussed, uh, I would love to cover some important terms and concepts. Not because we're expecting anyone listening to actually use any of these in your story, but because these might pop up as you do your own research for your trans characters, and it might be useful to have an idea what these mean. There is a long, there is a lot of language to cover. So.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to do the requisite disclaimer language is ever changing so the terms we are introducing here might change with time they might change next week yes. most of them they'll still be there you'll get it but even as I'm in this community I was just talking to some people recently and I'm like oh I haven't heard that term before and I thought I was very well read on this yeah that happens so, all the time. yeah regularly check um, as you go to publish, even if you did your research like a year ago, go ahead and check before you
1: go and publish. Yes. And there are also tons of translated terms that we could be introducing here, but we don't want to go into more- too much detail because, you know, time. But we are, however, adding a bunch of links in the show notes with lists and glossaries that discuss all of the terms you might want to know and that will be useful when you're doing your research. So do check those out.
0: Yep. So the first term we want to talk about is actually the
1: term itself trans yeah so trans is short for transgender and it's if that was not clear already and it's used both generally to refer to the umbrella that includes any identity that is gender non-conforming so like non-binary gender queer gender fluid and all of the ones we are going to talk about in the next episode and trans uh and trans um so gender- more specifically, yeah, I'm getting lost in my own head here, but also, and so, and more specifically to refer to people who transition from the gender they were assigned at birth. So let's say female to the one they really are, which in this case then would be male.
0: I feel that we need another disclaimer here. I know we've done a lot of them already. So yeah. reality is not always
1: that clear cut. I, I know like one of my friends recently came out as a trans woman and started uh, HRT hormone replacement treatment in case you were wondering what that stood for but just the other day she told me she actually identifies in a more fluid way so the pronouns she's using now are both she and they Um, but I have other friends who are like I am this 100% whether that's 100% a woman or 100% a man I yeah I
0: know people across that spectrum we have to remember say
1: that again I said, no, it's it's not as clear cut, no,
0: yeah, we have to remember when writing trans characters, just like we just said, lots of diversity within each cat category under that umbrella. But moving on,
1: yeah, um, and like not just like under the diversity, like under the umbrella, but also diversity within each of these categories under the umbrella, right? It's like um... I mean, that's the point. Once you challenge the binary. Yes. the world gets a lot wider yes and I, th- I, I I, kind of feel like for some people this is overwhelming but for me it's like sort of kind of a magical thing because it's like the options are endless it's like beautiful um, that's my take on it yeah, once I'm hoping... you stop
0: caring as much it does become a bit more of a lark like an experimentation and playful yeah.
1: yeah but um, you need to do a lot of undoing because we're all you have to do
0: a lot of undoing so,
1: yeah, like we are all based, we, you and I, um, like the, the the way society is set up, it's so hard to undo yeah. and unlearn. Okay, but to stay on topic, well, it's not not yes, on topic, yes. but we Words. do have, I mean, I look at you and you look at me like time. Um, so like I said, like this is, so this is one of the reasons there are people who don't know what to do, like with, you know, what do we do with trans people? Because they disrupt so many of the things that we thought were very clear cut. And, you know, interestingly, these things were never clear cut to begin with. That's just how we set up this system we call Western society. We try to make things more clear cut.
0: Yes, it's not even biologically clear cut.
1: No, like we introduce boxes, but it doesn't mean that the boxes are reality. Yes. Collectively, we often forget that
0: society is human made and the rules that have been agreed on don't have to continue to be agreed on. And. Mm -hmm being trans is that's literally part of what it is is no longer agreeing with that and being true to oneself
1: yeah so for writers like i said like i think it's brilliant that everything's being shaking up now because it gives us so much more to work with. right there's so many possibilities um but yeah back to the word trans while the word transgender is one word it's generally considered highly offensive to write, to write trans man or trans woman as one word because the full phrase would be transgender man or transgender woman. So when shortening the word transgender, you write trans man and trans woman, uh, a woman as two words, like with a space in between. Likewise, using a hyphen between the two words is also considered offensive. So trans hyphen woman or trans hyphen man, since it implies that trans women and trans uh, that, that trans women do not fit within the category women and that trans men do not fit within the category of man.
0: Yes, that makes it a compound word. So just to explain it one more time. Yeah, so make trans man or trans woman one word. You're making a different category of man or woman. Yeah. So keeping it as two words makes trans an adjective, and you're just having an adjective about a man or about a woman. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I know we're sounding as linguistics one on one right now, right? But just take our word for it it's very easy to get it right you just write trans man and trans woman as two separate words there's a space between the two exactly and don't use transgender as a noun
0: please someone is not a transgender they can be transgender just like someone can be a person someone can be happy it's an adjective a state of being yeah. Um, they can be a transgendered woman or a transgendered man it's always an adjective and then there's also
1: the asterisk since we're still talking about the term trans should we hit that real quick yeah so this so the asterisk I'm sure people have seen that like trans asterisks. Um, this is not something you have to use in your fictional writing I hope that makes everyone feel better um, well there are some people who include the asterisk when writing down how they identify and I have to say write down because the asterisk asterisk is silent so that's the only place it's going to show up right when you write it down i'm used to seeing it mostly in academic texts but even there not everyone agrees on whether or not it should be used right there's a whole debate about it and like i, said, I don't think i've ever seen it in fiction so if you're worried about how do i write trans, you don't need to use the asterisk as at all
0: yeah for me the general takeaway is the asterisk was added to broaden the trans category so gender identities like agender, non-binary, gender fluid could be included. Like a lot of us now use the a lot of us now use the acronym LGBTQIA plus. The yes. plus indicating that we could include more than the acronym is explicit about. I've also seen and on occasion used Plus Plus. Um when it comes to trans with an asterisk, I've read a lot of fiction with trans people in it. I've even I've read fiction by trans
1: people. I've never seen the asterisk in fiction. Yeah, so don't feel like you need to use it. It's very much a terminology thing. Got it. Yeah. So we already explained what cisgender means, but it might bear repeating. A cisgender person is someone who isn't trans, so someone who identifies as the gender they were assigned at birth.
0: I'm just gonna say that if someone finds being referred to as cisgender offensive or uncomfortable, please just just take a moment to adjust. You are still you. It is jarring to have a name for something you never had a name for before. What you're feeling, and I know this from living abroad and being like the only person who looked like me and spoke like me in an entire city of two million people, what you're feeling is suddenly having a sense of visibility where you were invisible before. And you were carrying the advantages of being invisible. You didn't have to self-examine. And yes, it's uncomfortable. I sympathize with you. Take a breath. Your clothes aren't actually gonna fall off. You're gonna be fine. You're still you. No one's gonna treat you any different. It's gonna be okay. Yes. But yes, it does feel weird at first. It's okay. So uh, the next term, That's important to know when writing trans characters is passing or to pass, which means a person appears outwardly as the gender they identify with and that everyone they meet on the street will see them as that gender. Next to this term is also the term misgendering.
1: Yeah, which is when a trans person is called by the pronouns of the gender they don't, they're not, right? So for example, a trans woman being addressed as sir or referred to as he or him. Which some people do by mis- do by mistake, right? Depending on how well a trans individual passes, but it's also done on purpose by people who don't want to acknowledge someone's real gender identity.
0: For those who have seen Sensei, this happens to Nami in the second episode of the first season. Sensei, like, go watch it; it's amazing. Sensei handled that situation really well. Go, just go watch it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you've, you've, you've been really. <laughs> You tried to make me watch that for so long. Like two years. Yes. And now I'm like, I'm going to see it again soon. It's really great. You did finally watch it. I was so happy. Yes. And now I'm waiting for my partner because it's on her to watch list as well. So now I'm like, can we see it together? Can we see it together? Can we see it together? So I'm a bit annoying now. So I want to see it again. (laughs) Okay. So which actually brings us uh, to the term dead name or the name someone was assigned at birth. So while birth name is a somewhat accepted as an is somewhat accepted as an alternative term for dead name as well, I've only ever heard my friends use dead name. That's the term I'm I know just from my own trans uh, trans friends. What aren't acceptable terms like at all? Don't use these terms. Are real name or legal name. If you want to offend a trans person, those are the terms. So do not, because if you're listening to this episode, that's what you don't want to do. So don't use these terms ever. Avoid those in your real lives and in your writing, unless, of course, you're writing a transphobic character. Yeah.
0: And dead name can also be used as a verb. You can be deadnaming someone or someone can be deadnamed. Yeah. Um, just real quick, there are some people who transition and don't change their name. Like they're attached to their name, they're happy with it, or they have a name that, you know, can be identified as the gender they've gone to as well as what they were previously assigned. It happens. I
1: just want to acknowledge it. I'm just, oh, oh, what's her name? Zachariah. I know we're got like I I I mean I mean I've been doing research for the next episode and I'm gonna bring her up, but there is a in disclosure, which we're gonna talk about in a bit, in disclosure. There's a, an actress and an activist comes up, and she kept her, uh, her birth name, which is like she is like a, like this gorgeous woman, right? Like super feminine. And I think her, her name is Zachariah, Zachariah. And okay. she kept it. I thought that was so badass. I have a friend
0: and he kept his name. And he was like, it's my name, and it could be
1: male or female. Yeah, so, so so if you have like a, a unisex name, like a gender neutral is the term um that we use these days for that, then of course that also fits. Yeah. 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 So our final term for today,
0: let's just get it over with, is um the T which refers to a really offensive term that's used exclusively, I think, for trans women. It starts with T, rhymes, rhymes with nanny, and I am not going any farther with that. Don't use it.
1: No. Like. Again, unless you're writing a truly transphobic character in your story, I would avoid this term altogether. And if you do feel like you need to include it in your writing, consider writing it by replacing the A in the word with an asterisk so that readers understand that you, as the author of the piece, understand that this is not an acceptable term to be using.
0: Yes. Whether or not slurs like this should be included also depends on the genre that you're writing in. I read, I've read, read I've read biographies of LGBTQIA plus people who have this word liberally scattered through the pages. Still doesn't it change the advice we're saying here. These are biographies, and the ones I'm referring to are documentations of exceptionally brutal history. They aren't fiction, and most of us as writers aren't those who have lived that particular experience. If you are a writer who is a transgender person, then of course, write your truth. I'm not telling you what to do. <laughs> But from a cisgender author perspective, from an author career perspective though, having someone drop the T-slur in the middle of a cozy mystery or a romance novel, that just doesn't quite make sense, like on a professional or a business level, like the same way you wouldn't casually drop the N-word when writing that genre. Um, It's not what the reader expects. They don't expect that kind of conflict, that kind of like uh, that level of, harsh reality or sickness Mm -hmm. if you're writing some gritty detective novel or psychological thriller which handles an entirely different vocabulary to begin with that might fit your context more
1: yeah yeah i couldn't agree more yeah so another something to avoid is the phrase identifies as and this used to be perfectly acceptable uh, to say mike identifies as a man but it's more and more considered offensive and we're rapidly moving towards mike is a man as the only acceptable way to say this, to phrase this. Yeah. So to help, I have people in
0: my life who have or are gender fluid at this point and confuse people. A wonderful way for a character to ask about someone whose presentation confuses them could be, hey, what are their pronouns? How should I refer to them? This is better than, are they a man? Are they a woman? Honestly, and this goes into our future episode, they might not be either so asking for pronouns is a softer wider form of requesting to know which language is appropriate or if it's direct you might have a character ask hello may i ask your pronouns on this fine
1: sunny day mine are she and her yeah i really like the suggestion and this is something that we will be talking uh, uh more about in the next episode as well like how can you deal with these interactions in your work um you and can it's have so... one
0: character teach another character how to ask. That would be wonderful education to have
1: happen in a fiction novel. Like, right? hey, it... how do
0: I ask them what they are and have another character teach them?
1: Yeah, but I anyway. think this is what we can do with with fiction. We can show how it's done. Fiction is practice for real life. And exactly. I love it. So what I like about it is that it's already so much more common these days, right, to make your pronouns known anyway. Like, so many people have, also cisgender people have it, like, um, in their email, um, um, what do you call the thing at the bottom? The signature? Yeah, the signature. Yes, or, like, on Zoom, right, or in, like, I, I have mine on, in, on my Instagram account, for example. Like, it's become such a more common practice, so the question is becoming less weird, yes
0: and I truly appreciate it because sometimes I cannot tell like it's been a thing since I was a kid I cannot tell I'm like I don't know and when someone tells me I feel so much better
1: exactly yeah yeah but yeah I do think so I'm glad so we're going to talk more about this in the next episode Yeah. yeah so how does one go about writing a trans character let's start by repeating something we've been saying again and again never reduce a character to their most obvious identity marker i do think we've said this till we're blue in the face in previous
0: episodes yes but um, it is repeating it does that's why we keep saying it we all have different things going at the same time as people characters always have things going that are different and complex. No single character is the same or has the same kind of experiences, even if they might have some of the "quote unquote" big identity markers in, in common. Um, Alex De Francesco, did I say that right? I um, I guess I guess so. I I don't speak Spanish, and I think that's Spanish. Summed it up well when discussing trans characters, and I quote: "Some of them may have come out at some point in their lives, which can go a variety of ways." or happen at a variety of ages. Others may be every bit as trans and never admit it to anyone. Many have lost the love and support of their families, but others have not. Some trans people experience dysphoria, the sensation of being at odds with the gender they were assigned at birth, and elements of their physical body, while others do not. Trans people may or may not choose to transition in any number of ways, including socially, i.e. gender presentation, change names, or pronouns. Hormonally or surgically, trans people statistically experience high rates of homelessness, intimate partner violence, rape and murder, while other trans people live in mansions with people who love and support them, end quote.
1: So there's not one trans experience, just like there is no one black experience or Muslim experience or lesbian experience or white experience And this has to do with character background, with looking beyond that obvious identity marker. Just like everyone else, these characters have their hobbies, their quirks, their very particular worldviews, politics, the dishes they hate or they cannot live without, favorite artists, their pet peeves. I love
0: pet peeves and giving them to characters. I don't do it often enough. Yeah. So for the trans community, it's not just that trans men and trans women will have different experiences. They're going to be diversity within the category trans women and within the category of trans men. Of course, a really good way to convey this in-group diversity is by including more than one trans character in your novel. But I like how Shoa Morgan puts it in there, in her Writing Better Trans Character article, um, admitting that this might be challenging and it might, and here I'm quoting her, be, easier to get a good understanding of one subgroup and just be careful to make clear that they don't stand for all trans people. End quote.
1: Which is what we talked about at length during episode eight of season one where we talked about diversity within diversity for those who haven't uh, given that a listen yet but yes this is what trans people need from cis writers this is how we should be writing trans characters as three-dimensional human beings.
0: Yeah this is why Casey Plett's article makes a really good point when asking us as cis writers to write messier trans characters. I love that. Writing messier characters, just period. I'm an advocate for trans characters who are complex. Um, She might have written in this, she might have written this, I believe the 2017 is when she wrote the article. I'm going to say that the request is still relevant because
1: we're (laughs) not finished yet. There's a lot of ground still to be covered. That was a really good read. And yeah, it was one of those, happy new year, this is what we need. So it's like literally the beginning of 2017. Um, Do you mind sharing what messy means to the author of this article? Sure. Characters who are complicated and smart and irrational,
0: kind and acerbic. They could be tech workers who love punk rock and a history of drug use. A mother with two jobs who collects kitschy knickknacks of sheep. That is very random a musician on welfare basically what she's saying and this is something we've talked about again and again is that we need to write our characters no matter their identity markers like they're any average person so people who have messy strange three-dimensional lives which being transgender certainly colors in many aspects but it's it's really just only part of the character's bigger story
1: and that's the key isn't it like of writing diverse characters like their identity markers will play a role but they shouldn't get to play the main part it's how alex di francesco sums it up when recommending a number of fiction titles by trans authors what they say about these particular novels and i'm not going to list them here but look, look up their uh, look up the article uh, because they make some really great suggestions is these novels are all about characters who are, in their words, bound by their transness, but it's not the entirety of who they are. Exactly. And they mentioned some great novels to explore when
0: doing your research, um, like we just said, because one great way to get the feel for characters you are writing is by actually consuming culture made by trans people, like the, seri- the series Sensei is made by the Wachowski
1: sisters. Yes. So Bethany wants everyone to, to, to watch it basically. I love Sensei. Me too. I love it now. I now I've watched it. I love it too. I cried so hard. I mean it's 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 it's, it's really intense. Um okay, so uh, to name some books, uh books I've read recently are A Dreadnought by April Daniels and Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas, uh, which are both YA novels.
0: We yeah, really I ha- means- highly recommend both. I need to read those. I haven't read them yet. These days, it is so easy to find culture that was made by trans people. We don't have to imbibe the same stories um, that got it wrong before. We
1: we have access to really good media now. Yeah. So speaking of getting it wrong, let's discuss some of the tropes and stereotypes you might want to avoid when writing trans characters. All right. So let's start with a trope that's often present in novels
0: with one single queer character. In a lot of stories, trans characters end up dead, just like queer characters do. And if they remain alive until the end of the story, historically, at least, they're suffering tremendously.
1: Yeah, so this is changing, luckily. But the tragic gay, the tragic trans trope um, has been used so often. It's become so ingrained. We have to watch out. We're not unconsciously repeating it. Same for the dead gay and the dead trans character, right? Same, similar trope. It feeds into the idea, which still goes around, that people become trans because they've suffered from abuse during their childhood, which is again a narrative we used to hear and sometimes still do around queer people too. As Casper as Mason Kendallwood says very to the point, and he's one of the contributors to a Quora thread that I want everyone to read because it's so good, again link in the show notes, uh, he says transness needs no excuse or reason it's just part of nature like left-handedness and dyslexia
0: yes which is why we have to treat trans character childhoods in our backstories like any other character's childhood it's often a mixed bag most people's childhoods are in my opinion most characters <laughs> should be there's some good there's some bad that makes them interesting characters to write
1: Yeah, and and what this trope does is use a character's transness to bring the plot forward, right? And this is not a bad idea, period. It's an especially bad idea since cisgender writers, and here I quote Eli Cuccini, who has written an in-depth piece on how to write trans characters and why cisgender writers tend to write about trans characters in a certain way. Um, They say they tend to be interested in the violence and conflict that transness draws from the position of a witness, end of quote. And this is something that's widely discussed in, in Disclosure, which I already mentioned, uh, a documentary on how transgender people have been depicted in Hollywood and the impact those stories have on transgender lives in American culture. Lots of crime series have had one or more episodes in which the murder victim was a trans person, usually a woman. Which doesn't necessarily have to be a problem, but if that's one of the few trans representations out there, and if the story implicitly or even explicitly shows that the victim was murdered because they were trans, then you are repeating a very particular, very negative narrative about transgender people.
0: Yeah, transgender characters or trans characters are also sometimes just there to advance the character or plot arc of the main character or main characters. Yeah. Again, this doesn't just happen with trans characters. We've seen enough examples um, with minority characters of all kinds. The black sidekick helps out the white protagonist and then dies is something we've mentioned before. So- yeah,
1: or like the saintly disabled person imparts wisdom to the able protagonist and then dies, which is an example mentioned uh, by Eli Cuccini in their piece.
0: Yeah, like like they said in that piece, what that does implies that trans life, I'm quoting here, trans life, black life, disabled life, only meaningfully exists when white cis able people are basking in its inspirational light. That makes unquote. me shudder so badly. I don't want to be inspirational for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right um We really don't have to repeat that trope as writers. We don't have to repeat it. It's not that hard to include a diverse character who's there just because of themselves, and not because they have to help the rather normative main character get to that where they need to be. For starters, they don't have to die once they fulfilled the purpose for the main character's plot.
1: That is like somebody should have told so many authors that in the past.
0: I mean, a lot of baby authors make the make the it's almost a meme at this point baby authors get a character that need to do something and then they don't know what to do with that character because they're still around and then they kill the character off so they don't have to worry about writing them anymore you could just let them fly to hawaii or something you don't have to kill them for them to exit stage right
1: there's other options
0: there are other options take a job somewhere else have a fight leave they don't have to die (laughs) So, I've said this before, we've said this before, I'm going to say it one more time. These characters exist for themselves, for those like them, not merely for the cis, able-bodied gays, the reader, which the reader may not be that either. The reader may be any number of things. So, dig far enough, there's no normal, but that's a different topic.
1: Just don't kill them, please. Yeah, please Stop killing, stop <laughs> killing minority characters uh, when they're like the only one in your novel right yes Um, like
0: if you write a full and complex plot and sometimes sometimes the minority character will make the choice to sacrifice or do something and that leads to their death when they do that with agency I view that as different I don't know what you think of that but sometimes it's their plot line
1: Yes, but if so, if they're like a fully fleshed out, like well-rounded character, and you've already shown in the novel that they're there for themselves, right, that they don't stand in for something so that they are an individual, right, that changes the entire thing. But so we are talking about including them and then like just to kill them off three pages later, yeah, just shooting them (laughs) as soon as you're done, like as soon as they've served their purpose. Right. That's that's a whole different thing. Yeah. So the other side of the same coin is that when trans characters aren't there to advance the main character's plot, they're often cast as the villain. And this is especially dangerous since trans women, both in real life and in culture, are often depicted as predators. When the trans character isn't a victim of some sorts, they are those who commit crimes, usually murder. And there are way too many examples out there of serial killers who turned out to be trans. I think the most famous one being Buffalo Bill from *Silence of the Lambs*.
0: Yeah, when you're saying um, examples, you're talking about in fiction, right? This is I've never. F- se- yeah.
1: Okay, I've never seen yeah. *Silence of the Lambs*. Okay, no, 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 sorry. Yes, uh, this is a this is a fictional. Ex- these are uh, these are fictional examples. Okay.
0: okay. Yeah. So, playing off of that. Um, also, if they aren't transgender characters,
1: in some cases, they were cross-dressing, like Hitchcock's Psycho. Yeah, so and, and that's just one of the many films, right, that's brought up in Disclosure, like both uh, *Signs of the Lambs and, and Psycho. And of course, the interesting thing in, in the in, in case of *Signs of the Lambs is that Buffalo Bill, who is the serial killer of the film, he isn't actually a trans person. He is a cross-dresser, which the film is actually quite explicit about. Although a lot of people misunderstood that whole thing, right? And because they misunderstood it, it actually affected the trans community quite negatively. And at that time, people coming out as trans, you know, when the film was like, you know... um, New? Yeah, new. And even after that, right, um, people were often met with... You're trans. You mean like Buffalo Bill? Who... Who isn't a person you want to be compared <laughs> with? <No>. Historically,
0: <laughs> I'm thinking about different Buffalo Bills. So I was like, "That's yeah, a no, killer. I'm sorry, yeah." No, but
1: no, but we're, no. Talking, we're talking the creepy serial killer from from Silence of the Lambs. That is not the person you want to be compared with when you come out as trans. Not at all. Yeah,
0: we need better representation than that.
1: Exactly. That is why we need better representations. Yeah,
0: yeah. So arguably, I haven't seen the film, but I get the sense it was a while back. We do now generally know more about um, yes. trans people than then. A lot of people really did think back then that transgender meant you wanted to dress up in clothes generally worn by members of the opposite sex. Um
1: thankfully current day, general knowledge has improved. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We I mean, now understand that there are different things. Yeah. And I would actually love to have better representations for both, right? Um, Which, by the way, you know, it doesn't mean you cannot have transgender antagonists, like villains, right? Like, a better representation doesn't mean that all your trans characters have to be saints who never do anything wrong, right? Better just means realistic and relatable, and just in case that point hasn't hit home yet, trans people are just like any other people. So they can end up as the villain in your story, too. You just have to make sure that
0: not all the trans characters you include are villains yeah. that they aren't villains because of something done to them or because of their experience of being trans in a limited case i could see this being difficult so if you need to have trans representation like if your cast is very small and your villain is a trans person you might need to bring this in and say an off a, a, a reference to someone who's off the page or not like a speaking character in your book but work it in there
1: somehow at this point in time yeah so just so so just work in that there are other trans people beyond the villain who is transgender yeah That's yeah i've get. seen
0: some writers yeah. come and be like well i'm gonna have to make all these extra characters to do the job and i'm like you really don't like just reference something yeah like someone yeah. can watch a film about a really positive reference a really positive trans character in a film on their date or something like there's a way to do this
1: yeah yeah and and there are and and we're actually going to discuss some of these ways in the next episode
0: yeah i keep getting ahead of us but i feel like some people might just listen to
1: this episode and not the next one (laughs) yeah but they should they should they should listen to the other (laughs) one as well okay so all villains have to be humanized right and that includes your transgender villains this is really important like a good villain is relatable and has people understand at least to a certain extent why they're doing what they're doing right like i'm bad simply because i'm bad simply because i can that doesn't make for a fully fleshed out and relatable villain and i'm bad simply because i happen to be trans that doesn't cut it either
0: i'm bad just because i'm bad it's like that's when i start dnfing a book or a film yeah. It annoys me
1: so much. Yes. And for those who don't know what that means, DNF means did not finish.
0: Yeah, I like making a verb out of that. So <laughs> back on track. So in that core thread we referenced, you referenced earlier, um, Casper Mason Candlewood gives some really good advice on this. He says, if the stereotype is the driving force behind the character's problems, rethink it a bit. Give them something six cis-, cis people also have trouble with yeah so Nomi in Sensei again I love that series is a good example of this she has a lot of fear and anxiety
1: and it's not all about her being trans it really isn't I I can see how the way her parents treat her and refuse to acknowledge she's a trans woman could have made this fear and anxiety worse but it's never implied that she's fearful and anxious because of her transness it's just who she is I mean, she's had a lot of other things
0: besides being trans in her backstory that set her up to be what she is. It's a really solid backstory. All the characters in that film uh, series have solid backstories. Another stereotype we need to avoid is representing our trans characters, women especially, as sex workers. This is so overdone and does not in any way reflect reality. No one is saying that there are no transgender sex workers. But what we are saying here is that most transgender women aren't. So let's not stereotype the category into that idea. Let's focus on a greater realm of employment
1: and options. Yeah. So another trope, which I had never heard about until I watched Disclosure, is trans people having to stop their transition because the hormones they are taking are killing them. And, and I was quite blown away by this because, and they were showing clips from films, right? That I just happened to not have seen. It was, it was, it was really intense. So another one, another one is having trans people die because of something related to the gender they were assigned at birth.
0: You mean like a trans woman dying of testicular or prostate cancer?
1: Yes. Or a trans man dying of ovarian or breast cancer, right? Which is, by the way, breast cancer is a thing for just cisgender men too, right? Cis men get breast cancer. Just as an aside, it's just, you know, know your medical. Um... I do like to tease people. I'm like, you have breasts too. Stop being so sensitive about mine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: All right. So for our last trip today, um, is cross dressing or using cross dressing characters for comic relief, which you see in some Hollywood classics, for example. Tutsi or Miss
1: Delfire. Yes, what I loved about the discussion in the disclosure documentary is that it isn't just problematic, like period, to have people cross-dress for us to laugh at them, right? Which it is, but what often happens in these cases is that they cross-dress to get something like a job in in Tutsi uh, or more affordable housing which happen to be actual struggles for trans people, like getting a job and a proper place to live, right? Which makes it extra painful to have to watch that.
0: Yeah, yeah. do some consultation before you start walking down that kind of plot road. Yes. I'm not saying well, it can't be done properly, but uh, like do your research yeah, really well. Yeah, be very careful.
1: Yeah, about this. Yeah. So, those are some of the most common tropes and stereotypes around trans characters that you want to avoid. And here are some other topics and areas that are best to be avoided when writing trans characters as a cisgender author.
0: I think it's really important to make the point since we do recommend reading and watching as many books and TV shows and series made by trans artists as you can there are things that trans artists, trans writers will be writing and talking about that are not really appropriate for us as cisgender writers to be focusing our works on. We've kind of said this already. Again, um, it's absolutely fine writing about whomever you want to write about, but that you might want to avoid talking about things that those experiences are closest to that identity marker. Like writing a novel about a teenager, the whole plot is about coming out, when you're a straight writer, eh, I would avoid that. Writing about what it's like to grow up Muslim in a London suburb when you're not a Muslim writer, also, you probably want to avoid that. Talking about those specific experiences, making the entire book about those experiences, that's better left to writers who actually have had that experience. Which doesn't mean they get to represent everyone in their community by telling their story, but it means that they get to represent their story and channel their particular experience into their works of fiction
1: exactly which is why this is a big don't right when you're writing trans characters don't talk about their transition unless it's absolutely necessary so when i say um talk about the transition talk about the details of their transition That doesn't mean that their transness or their transition cannot casually come up when it makes sense for the story, because you don't want to pull a, oh, well, Dumbledore was always already gay, right? You don't want to do that. You do want to make sure that your readers understand that your character is trans, because otherwise, what's the point of the representation?
0: You want it to be Um, canon. You don't want people arguing later about whether or not it's canon. Yes,
1: but you don't have to home in on their actual transition. Right. So, pretty much every article that we've read on this topic by trans authors says the exact same thing about this. Don't make the story arc about the transitioning, right? As cis writers, this is not our story to tell. There are different
0: better ways to affirm your character is trans for your reader so they know. What works best for your trans character, of course, depends on the kind of person they are. Ellie. Kujini gives some really good questions to ask ourselves as writers in their articles, such as, Are your is your character publicly out and likely to crack jokes about transition? Some of them will do that. Do they have an affinity with another trans character? Might they subtly signal to another trans character, hey, I think I know you. Can you cue the transness situation rather than citing it? Can you like cue it in another way and not sitting the whole awareness on their body? For example, you could use an awkward reunion at an all girls school when they transitioned in their 20s um, or moving cities to access healthcare. How might the character introduce their transness if you asked them if they were a person who walked in the room, how would they do it yeah. and let your character do
1: it as naturally as possible? That's such an important point, because a character who's very open about being trans will be in the world entirely different than someone who wants to pass and for no one to know that they are trans. So you have to think through that before you make any decisions on how to subtly let your readers know this or that character is a trans character. Because why would anyone want to talk about it unless it organically comes up in a conversation?
0: Yeah, a not so subtle way would be to mark the character as trans from a moment they're introduced, whether that is by explicitly mentioning they're trans or by focusing on bodily features that might be a tell they're trans. Um, Alice Thomas mentions both points in her article when talking about the don'ts of writing transgender
1: characters. Casper Mason Candlewood says something similar um, and this is a quote, don't let their first dialogue be about their transness, end of quote. And he continues to say less than a and I I like this advice, less than a tenth of what they say should be about being trans. And I think this is a great test. Like when you've written your story and you have your trans character, actually go in and see how often they talk about being trans compared to everything else they talk about. And you could do this for all your diverse characters, by the way. You know, just to make sure that their arc is about something else. You could do this for
0: any character. Just isolating one character's dialogue and then seeing what they say throughout an entire book just them can be a really freaky editing experience and open your eyes to yourself and your process
1: and i think it could be really good to to be that aware yeah yeah um i
0: believe the writer of this article is the same person who said um that your audience doesn't need to be informed the character is trans in a timely or direct manner. You don't have to be the not-so-subtle on the first page of the character being introduced. Let things flow naturally, as long as you don't, as you've already said, pull a Dumbledore is gay afterwards. Bring it up somewhere in the best way possible. But it doesn't yeah, have to be in like the first chapter or the first 50% of the book. It just has to be in the book.
1: Yeah, so do make it canon but don't be so desperate to make it canon that you spring it on your readers, at the first instance. So I think Casey McQuiston does it really well in their novel, Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is like one of my favorite novels. In it, the main character is having a bit of a bi-panic when he realizes he's in love with the Prince of Wales. And he's thinking of who to talk this epiphany through with. And he mentions Amy, one of the character, one of the more secondary characters, as a potential sounding board who's introduced in chapter 1 as and this is a quote from the novel his mother's favorite secret service agent a former navy seal who was rumored around dc to have killed several men and a quote now if you know about the us navy this might have tipped you off already right but i had no idea that the first woman to make it into the navy seals did so 2 years after this book was published until the internet told me about 2 hours ago right uh, i had no idea i'm not from the us it's not my There's topic. no reason you should have known. No. So for me, Amy was only affirmed as a trans character in chapter five. And this is long after we've met her and we meet her a couple of times between the introduction and our main character. Um, and so between, between when she's introduced and our main character saying, this is another quote from the novel, and he considers going downstairs and asking Amy about her transition and her wife and how she knew she was different, end of quote right so this is when he
0: he, when it turns into an easter egg for those
1: who know yeah yeah so and this is all that's said about amy and her transition right amy and her being trans right that's it now we know and so mcquiston doesn't focus on her body ever or anything else that might set her apart as trans it's just this one little moment that affirms maybe so if you if you if you know about the navy seals then maybe you know it twice Right? Yeah, but both times are very natural, very subtle.
0: They would naturally happen in a situation, naturally happen in a plot. Yeah. It's not
1: othering. It's just really nice. It's not screaming Amy is trans, right? That's that's yeah. So I really, I really, I really think this is one of the best examples um by an author who identifies as non-binary, by the way.
0: So Alice Thomas kind of gives a warning supporting that this What we just talked about is one of the better ways to do it Um, warns that talking about a trans person's dysphoric features can play into casual transphobia so this is something we don't want to do dysphoric features meaning that those parts of the bodies that trans people are uncomfortable about because they are trans and this isn't the same for every trans person by the way no single trans person relates to their body in the same way which is something to take into account when you're fleshing out your trans characters because even if you're not going to mention it on the page, it might inform how they react
1: in certain situations. For example, whether
0: or not they want to go shopping
1: with a friend. Yeah, again, I really like how Alice Thomas, who you just mentioned, sums it up. Uh, She says, and this is another quote, allow characters to mention topics that hinder their transness, such as their transition or how valued they are as people of an acquired gender, right? Just not down to their broad shoulders, big hips, large chest or any part that makes a trans character feel uncomfortable about, end quote. Yeah, which is another thing that
0: came up in the article we've already mentioned. We should be focusing on the after, where they are, not throwing in all these reminders about before or during. Focus where they are in the now of the story.
1: Yeah, and this is a point they make in disclosure as well, right? Because there's been such a focus on the body and transitioning um, in, in popular culture. Hardly anyone ever writes stories about the after they've transitioned, right? And if we keep doing that, we don't allow trans characters to move on from that period of their lives as if there's nothing for them beyond transitioning, as if that's what they're all about.
0: Yeah, it doesn't mean that you can't include a secondary a character who announces that they are transitioning or at the very start of it just shouldn't be the focus of their story of your overall story it shouldn't be the only trans story there um another thing you might want to avoid or we might want to avoid as cisgendered authors unless it's absolutely relevant to the story is dead naming again as we've said that before don't do it in real life avoid it in your stories your readers don't usually need to know a trans character's previous name before they transition. Um, So again, focus on the now, keep it to
1: where it is in the story. Yes. And again, like you shouldn't be taking your cue here from trans authors, right? Like there's that naming in Sense8, which was written uh, by uh, two trans women in Dreadnought. There's that naming in Cemetery Boys, although, and I thought this was really well done. In Cemetery Boys, the character's dead name doesn't make it onto the actual page, so it's not actually written. Somebody says it, but the author doesn't put it on the page. So I thought that Which was really is, done. is
0: certainly one way to handle it. Yeah, it's certainly one but way to
1: handle it. Again, the author identifies as trans, right? So let's not. I think. Yeah,
0: that. depending on the plot, I could see it being like in a detective novel or political thriller or something, something that we're like, well, there's paperwork and documentation. How do I do this? Write it as you need to, and then go get a sensitivity reader and figure it out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just know it's something that you need to figure out. Yeah. I I do want to point out one thing that was in Sensei about the Nami. There's the character bug. Um, And he's an older guy. He's kind of funky. I'm fairly sure he's on the spectrum for something. He's an awesome character. He sticks his foot so far in his mouth so often. Like, I had my hands over my face because my secondhand embarrassment was so high. Mm -hmm. Um, He takes a long time to stop acting weird about Nomi because he knew her before she was able to be herself. And, like, he didn't know what was going on and he... He has very little reference for all of this. And every time he calls her by her dead name or focuses on her having transitioned the story itself, the situation, the other characters makes it very clear. That's not what you do. That's not how you go about it. And in most scenes, he apologizes very quickly. Like he realizes his foot is in his mouth. He turns bright red in one scene, actually, um, from my memory. So his character himself makes it clear that that's not the right way to do it. And he's flawed. He's helpful, he's supportive, but he is flawed.
1: Yeah, I think it also helps is that two characters that we like, right? So mm-hmm. Nomi and her girlfriend, they tell him off. Oh, they tell him off so fast. But because like- we're, because the way the, the, the way the plot works, we're already on their side. So there's room. There's also room for them to say, no, this is not how we do things. So that's also not something that was also uh, always present in the past, right, that trans characters mm-hmm. and their allies get the room to say, no, this is not how we do it. So when talk about Sense8, right, there's Nomi's mother who like misgenders and dead names Nomi throughout the whole thing. Um, but it's very clear from the start that we're not supposed to feel any sympathy for her whatsoever, right? Like, so again, like if you do use it, if your plots for some reason needs the dead naming, and like, like we said, like most, um, Trans authors that we've researched writing these articles uh, about how to write transcription, they caution against it or simply tell you not to do it. Use it carefully and make a point about how wrong it is to do so.
0: Sensei really does have have that balance of two different people doing it and two different responses in the situation.
1: Yes. And it it allows us to like Bug and not like Nomi's mother.
0: Exactly. So the next thing to avoid is doing a shock reveal, meaning a character's transness is revealed in a dramatic way, having- after having been purposely hidden. Um, These shock reveals can work for other things, but we would say avoid it when you're writing trans characters, because it feeds straight into a very common transphobic narrative that trans people are out to trick the general public to deceive everyone as Cheryl Morgan reminds us, this belief is what has gotten a lot
1: of trans people killed. Yeah, and this point was also made in disclosure, which is called disclosure because of this idea that trans people are out to deceive us and that we are therefore allowed to force them violently, if needs be, to disclose and expose who they really are. So this directly feeds into the idea that trans people are hiding something on purpose and that we're allowed to punish them for it. Hence, you know, uh um let's not perpetuate this yes another thing that needs
0: to be uh done that we need to avoid is turning our trans characters into a caricature of their gender hardly <laughs> any if any transgender um trans women are super femme and just love pink like just like everything pink like turn into a barbie um in you really also don't have to turn your trans men characters into chauvinists i haven't met a single trans man who's a chauvinist everyone i actually met is like really feminist <laughs> that's just my experience but it's it's been 100 percent so far and i'm 35
1: years old um i, I have different totally... experiences but that is, depends so much on the individual's background fair yeah fair yeah um doesn't mean they were that they're that they are now a chauvinist right i'm just saying not necessarily a feminist yeah anyway got it there are diversity within diversity
0: exactly uh, i can totally see a trans woman who like plays up the feminine side um for fun like over the top feminine within her own agency or to repair part of herself that she's had to deny much like a girl in a conservative religion who never got to play with makeup now knowns, owns like the entire makeup store or runs the makeup store um, that's realistic yeah we're we're talking like don't make it a cartoon like, yeah don't go over the top with it
1: yeah and like you said like like the character is when there's no reason for the behavior exactly right like if someone grew up and every time they looked at something pink their father beat the shit out of them so now they've you know moved on from that and now they have this sort of like you know I'm here I am I can be whoever I want so every time you buy something pink it just makes you feel like a, a rebel who's like telling your dad to fuck off that's a completely different the most violent buying of pink ever <laughs> Exactly, but that's a different thing than writing like it's a cartoon version. See, okay. That is character building, that's not caricature. Yes, exactly. So give them, if they do something like this, if they have this sort of extreme, give them a reason for the extreme. So what's also not done is writing a uh, trans character who questions or has doubts about that transition. It's one thing to create a character who isn't always 100% sure they're doing the right thing for whatever reason that may be, or whether they're going about it in the right way, because transitioning is a big deal. They're allowed to worry and ponder and be hesitant and second-guess themselves before and during. But writing a character who ends up wholeheartedly regretting the entire transition, that is not a story you want to write as a cisgender author.
0: Yeah, not, not our story to tell if you are cisgender. No. And one last thing for now, your transgender sexuality should be written about should be perceived from their actual gender not the gender they were assigned at birth so many people ask about this so here is the cut and dried rule trans men are men so if they like women they are straight if they are into men they are gay gay men not lesbians so if they are a trans man they like men they are gay same goes for trans women of course which is so obvious when you think about it but I have met a lot of very confused people about this. Yes. so And this is a question that comes up a lot, actually. Yeah. Yes. So there, there you go. Wherever they are, however they identify, apply the rules like you would to anybody else because that's 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 the rule for the language. So before we call it a wrap, should we discuss, and I know we're almost out of time, but we can get this done. Um, shall we discuss some of the things we definitely shouldn't be avoiding, things we should do when writing trans
1: characters yes. I'll start allow for realism like we told you not to focus solely on violence when you're writing your trans character but you also don't have to just write characters who experience zero struggle around being trans because that's yes. not realistic.
0: so while some trans people get all the help and support they need others might not be accepted by their friends or their family or where they go to school or work they may also not have the means to get medical and social transitions as they want it so
1: we have to write with this in mind yeah being realistic doesn't mean you cannot focus on positive experiences though right in fact this is something we want to see more in stories with trans people positive experiences and exchanges between characters that there is some bad doesn't mean there's also not a lot of good exactly when you're writing fantasy
0: also you can create worlds where no one has any issues with people being trans this could mean avoiding some of the real-life issues that trans people face in the world and that's okay that's fine it shows a world it shows us as readers as writers what such a world could look like which is an empowering it's an act of creative and
1: liberating imagination and you also have to consider no matter what world you are creating how trans people would logically fit into that society And I love how Cheryl Morgan, uh, in her article, reminds us that, and, and this is me quoting her, there is ample evidence that many societies around the world and throughout human history had a much more relaxed attitude to gender variance than we do in Western society today. If you are creating a fantasy world, it doesn't have to be deeply transphobic. In fact, if it isn't based on a fairly modern Christian or Islamic view of the world, then it would be odd if it was. Even early Christendom and Islam were more accepting than we are today, end of quote. As a historian-aligned person,
0: I love that so much. I also love what she says, quote, If you want to write a story based on a realistic portrayal of ancient societies, you should probably make your characters less neurotic about gender and sexuality than modern people are, end quote. I love that
1: so much. And it's so true. And like, we shouldn't also forget that there are still societies today where people who fall under the trans umbrella are celebrated and considered like highly spiritual. So, if you want to create a world that's still rooted in reality, you might want to have a look at that for inspiration. Just make sure you don't culturally appropriate these notions.
0: Yes, there are so many examples of different ways of interacting with transness of conceptualizing it experiencing it I think it would be fairly easy to come up with an inspired concept of your own and if you do keep some ideas from a previous culture or another culture work to adopt the inspirational concept without appropriating the culture if you're unsure about how to do that go back to our first season listen to our episode on how to avoid cultural appropriation we have a whole episode on it because it is quite complicated. I think that was episode four. Thank you. I was blanking on that. Um. On that note, I think we are out of time. Have we said everything we need to say?
1: I think so. And again, like the next episode will you know bring some of these topics back and go deeper into them.
0: In different viewpoints and lenses. Yeah. So... I'm just going to say, here's to everyone having fun with their research, running into new brilliant ideas, reading their histories. I know I do all the time. It keeps me invigorated.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, And like I I will say say this again too. Don't forget to check out the articles we mentioned during this episode. Uh, They're all in the show notes because there's much more to learn from those than we could discuss in this one episode. So you have your research cut out for you.
0: And some suggestions for some really awesome shows. I'm not telling anyone to go watch Sensei. I'm totally telling everyone to go watch Sensei. Yes, do. I, as long I, as you're I, over 18, just be yes. over 18.
1: Well, okay. If you're, if, you're in the, if you're not in the US, don't bother with that. That's just, her, <laughs> that's just Bethany's American, inner American speaking. Just watch it. You'll be fine.
0: The, I don't need the Americans coming after me with pitchforks. They can actually reach me. You have an ocean between you and them.
1: Yeah. So no matter how old you are, it's going to be a trip <laughs> and it's going to be educational. So do watch it.
0: All right. Take care, everyone. Good luck with the research and keep ready.
1: Thank you for joining us music for this show was written and produced by eric mills if you found this episode helpful please rate and review on your favorite podcast app and spread the word so other writers can find us too to get our doing diversity and writing toolkit which includes all bonus material from season one go to representationmatters.art that's dot a-r-t here you will also find our episode show notes Happy writing and see you next episode.